0: This is episode number 208 of the Well-Fed Women podcast. Welcome to Well-Fed Women. I'm your co-host, Noelle Tarr, a nutritional therapy practitioner and a certified personal trainer. And I'm joined by my bestie, Stephanie Ruper, author of the best-selling book, Sexy by Nature. On the show, we provide moderately amusing banter, authentic, unfiltered conversations relating to nutrition, fitness, mindset, and body image, and offer empowering advice for women from women. While you're listening, please keep in mind that the information on this podcast is intended to provide helpful and informative material and should not be used to diagnose or treat disease. We are so excited to have you here. So now let's have some fun. hello and welcome to the wealth and women podcast before we jump into our discussion i want to quickly mention our sponsor fabletics we're super excited that they are back and supporting the podcast for longer uh i am i know i've expressed all of my love for fabletics i'm wearing it all right now but it is really an awesome uh company and brand and i am so impressed i've been so impressed with the longevity of everything that i've gotten and to include mostly mostly leggings, let's be honest, mostly leggings and jackets. Fabletics.com slash well fed women. The deal is, I've been getting a lot of questions about what do I recommend and how this all works. So, Fabletics.com slash well fed women, it'll bring you up and it'll like, code in that you get this offer which is two leggings for tw- only $24. Um, to get that you sign up for uh, a VIP membership which is just like with Thrive Market who's also a sponsor of ours. It's a, it's sort of a membership so that you buy into a bunch of like discounts and so you get up to 50% off um, as a VIP member and you get um, exclusive like early access to all the new prints and styles and stuff like that. So once you sign up for that, there's no, like, it's not a major long-term thing. You're not, like, locked in for years. You can cancel at any time, and so it's really flexible. You can even defer your purchases to the next month if you don't want to buy anything that month. So it's super flexible, and then you get free shipping on all your orders over $49. So when you do buy stuff, just make sure you're getting a couple pair of leggings, not just buying one or two things. So um, that's our special offer, fabletics.com slash women. Two leggings, $24. You cannot go wrong with the power hold legging, which is like a look for the high waisted. They have them in printed and solids. And so that's what I've been wearing. <laughs> it's what I wear in general, but also um through pregnancy it's been very comfortable. Um it's sort of like a second skin and it just feels supportive. I don't know how to explain it, but I will never go back to the low waist things <laughs> ever, ever again. No it makes no sense. Who needs friends when you have high waisted? Seriously. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh fabletics.com slash well fed women. We're very thankful to them. And um yeah. It it'll help you get through this dreary, dreary month of February. Welcome. We are officially in February and the coldness and the dreariness, it's only it really is only a month, y'all. So this is a a nice way to get through it. Get some get some new printed leggings. Um, make yourself feel good. So how? (laughs) I don't know about you, but it's just been dreary in general. I know, like you haven't been in the UK that long, but um, since all the holidays and stuff. But I mean, isn't it generally kind of rainy and cloudy and dreary
1: there in the winter?
0: Well,
1: yes. Before the holidays, I went uh, two weeks at least without seeing the sun. You know, yikes! Yeah, but it doesn't it doesn't normally get colder than 30. So we might get, we might get a snowfall here or there during the winter, but we don't get the kind of dreary that's like brown, gray, mushy stuff on the side of the road.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, and, and everybody's yeah. really cold and un you know, un, unsatisfied with the way their shoes feel. Cause they're soppy.
0: <laughs> so, yeah.
1: so that's, so that's not here. Here is uh Almost like a romantic British Isles, you know, sit in a pub kind of kind of feel that doesn't really bother me. and I'm indoors all the time anyways. so yeah, um, that's the stuff here, but we all do we all do like the spring. the sun comes quickly, you know, it sets in the winter here around four. Oh my gosh, it, yeah, like dark, dark by four, just crazy, and it comes up at nine. Uh, but in the in the summertime, you know, then it's everybody's it's a party. So Yeah.
0: Well <laughs> that's that's everywhere. Party. Yeah, I um it was a crazy holiday, crazy you know, I was just like what did they call it? I was like in defense mode, trying to just bat everything. that was coming my way from from the holidays and then New Year's and I didn't quite so now we're finally like kind of settled and through the stomach bug and through the colds and like okay we're here so i'm trying to get back into walking again being very consistent with that because i'm I'm like here we are in the second trimester almost in my third i'm trying to i'm like i need to be moving i need to be moving right so and i spent about a month not moving because i uh the the move really triggered my um some of my back issues Yeah, so I've been getting back out and walking consistently, which is trying to do it just two to three times a week and doing something where it's it is pretty hard paced, but closer to an hour. And I have some uh, a girlfriend in the neighborhood, which is she's been lovely and we walk our girls and I just it's I literally wake up every day and I'm like, where is the sun? Like every day it's just cloudy and dreary, which I guess is fine. Yeah, and then also, like, I have two dogs who love to run around outside or have to use the bathroom outside. And our backyard has just been, like, exactly like you described, the soggy, nasty, muddy-ness, whatever that is. So, it's been on my, I I have this heightened awareness of the dreariness. I'm sorry,
1: I will be all (laughs) (laughs) radiance and sunshine in your
0: life. Thank you. You're welcome. One yeah. wonderful. <laughs> great. Great. Um do no, you, like leave <laughs> me alone, please. Yes, stop talking. Uh, no. Do you so I know we're about a month into Twenty Nineteen. Twenty
1: nineteen
0: and the resolutions and the goals and all the things. I um I actually polled everybody pulled uh, polled folks on my Insta. And I got a lot of really great resolutions. And I think I, I love them. I want to share some of them. And I'm not going to share people's names. But it was just like, what do you want to achieve? Like, I, I think, you know, I love shifting the focus to, and I don't want to get into semantics because I hate semantics. Like, let's not call it this. Let's call it this. And you're really talking about the same thing. So it's Is just like, ripe? right. So it's just like, what what <laughs> what are what do you want to achieve in 2019? Like, what do you hope for the year? Because there's something beautiful about the freshness of a new year. And, and so a lot of people said, take more time for loving myself and my body. Overall health and happiness and success in my business. Getting strong after having my first baby last October. Finally finding my confidence and only relying on myself to feel loved. Less worry, more praise to God. Using my voice, I missed it. It's nice to have it back. Hashtag worthy of being heard. Emotional health slash self-care. I was like, yes. Um, Consistency, you know, in work and movement and food and choices and communication with my husband. (laughs) Yes, consistent (laughs) communication is a good thing to want to achieve. Um, Someone said, my word for this year is intention, how I spend my time, my money, my energy. Let's see, choosing a new career path that lights me up. Uh, Less exercise, more food, more periods, and hopefully my first baby. Uh, Someone said, just survive. Maybe by 2020, I'll be sleeping through the night. Somebody said, my one goal is to keep my newborn alive, due in March. Did you kind of come up with anything? Once the new year hit.
1: (laughs) Does Steph have a overly ambitious set of goals? Well, when does Steph not have an overly ambitious set of goals? So the most important thing that I think I've learned recently is how important it is to have a bunch, like a lot of lovely people in my life, you know, something that honestly just mostly wasn't a part of my life. I would spend most of the day working and then go home and read. And so now my life is full of people and I'm so excited to maintain that. But at the same time, my very like eh, goals for the year. So if things went according to plan by this point, by the time this podcast is coming out, my dissertation will be done. Ta-da. Nice. And I will be a few days away from my first presentation on the book that I'm working on, on uncertainty in the modern world. And I want to have this book done by December of 2019. So I have this goal and I feel very, I love it. And I feel very committed to it. And I'm very excited about it. It is going to take a lot of commitment, I think. But I am excited about it. So those are the the kinds of things I'm thinking about. Commitment to the people in my life and and commitment to my work. And sort of like you mentioned, being really diligent about having my time not be wasted, right? I I want keep my relationships very healthy, keep my life and my work very healthy and none of that, you know, scrolling. You know, I want to scroll as little as possible and and be healthy so that I can maintain these commitments. So,
0: yeah, yeah, that's good. I think um I think we're all a little like we could all do better at being I don't know, less, I don't want to say less involved, but just more present, right? Like less involved with all the things that don't necessarily matter and more present in our lives. And that's kind of just been my goal moving forward, because I think that to try to make some like goal around oh, I don't want it to be crazy or I don't want, like, that's not my life right now. Like I'm about to have another kid. I'm going to have two under two, like what, uh, what what's no. So I, to me, it's just about being more present with my you know children which will happen shortly and you know my husband too like I find myself you know we are trying to make the most of every minute and and work and do you know we're on our phones and we're trying to plan and do things and work and sometimes I'm like yeah when was the last time we like sat down and looked at each other and had a conversation so we're trying that's kind of been our intention And he's much better at it than I am Um, and we're getting him he's He's gone. He's leaving this weekend for um, reserves for the second to last time, which is nice. So he's kind of getting out of that job, and I told him, like, my goal for him this year is to, for him to just have things that he enjoys doing and to be able to like bring that back into his life. Because right now it's just two jobs and trying to take care of me and and kids and be a dad, and so which that's great. But I also want him to be getting back into like working out, um, which was a huge part of our lives and is now not at all. So working out and like finding a love for like, you know, whatever he wants to do, which is running or um, working and serving more. Because we used to volunteer a lot with our church and stuff like that. And we've just done none of that. So I want to do things a little differently. And I think that that's the beauty of a new year. That is the beauty of moving into um, you know, the shift, the shift from 2018 to 2019 and saying, what did I learn last year? And how can I, you know, shift things around for the next year? Or so lots of learning, 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 it doesn't, st- doesn't stop, folks, it never stops. Are you ready to get into questions? <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Question number one is from McKenna. Hi, Stephanie. Well, first, thank you so much for being amazing, encouraging, and positive role models in my life. I recently started listening to your podcast this summer and have listened to every one of your episodes since. I find so much comfort in listening to them, especially when I'm having negative body image thoughts or just overwhelmed with daily life. You are both so relatable and address so many real life issues that are... Most are too afraid or don't know how to discuss. You've helped me tremendously already, and I can't thank you enough. My question for you both is, how do you get comfortable with gaining weight? What is a good plan to gain weight in a healthy way? She said, slash, what is a good way to gain weight in a healthy way? I know so much goes into this question, but I find no matter how much I try to comfort my mind, negative body image thoughts creep in, and I question if I am doing the right things. I haven't had my period in about a year, and I know that gaining weight and cutting back on exercise would help, but mentally, this is so challenging. A little background. She said she suffered from an eating disorder when I was in high school, completely recovered, now I consider myself to be healthy. I eat three meals a day, plenty of snacks. However, in the last year, I've lost weight due to increasing my running mileage, being away at school and walking all over campus and following a very clean diet. I eat plenty of veggies, fruit, avocados, lean protein like chicken and turkey, salmon, plant-based protein powders, eggs. I love snacking on nuts, Rx bars, and dark chocolate. I drink occasional wine, White Claws, and vodka on the weekends, which, by the way, I had to Google search what a White Claw was. I was just going to (laughs) ask. It's just like a mixed drink kind of thing, like in a can. Like, think like Red Bull, but, you know, alcoholic. (sighs)
1: So
0: what are those things called bear claws that are like...
1: Giant donuts.
0: Oh, yeah, that too.
1: Bear
0: claws, a giant donut. Yeah, I, that's, that, that's what I had in my, um, now, of course, I need to look this up, bear claws. Um, that's kind of what I had in my mind. Yeah, there it is. Those like, almond. look at all these recipes for bear claws. Um, that's what I had in my mind was like, oh, like I didn't read that she, had, she was drinking that, but I was like, oh, she has bear claws on the weekends. No, she has white claws. That's fine. Great. And vodka on the weekends, but I'm very tame for a junior in college. I like my routine of exercise and healthy eating. However, I know I need to gain weight in order to regain my cycle and get all my hormones in check. Any advice is appreciated. And always thank you for your amazing podcast and such a huge impact on my life. So this is a really interesting question because I feel like we do talk about the specifics of what to do. Um, And I feel like we could definitely provide some advice here, but it's more about the mentality. Like, how do you shift that mentality? And I think that that is the hang up because so many people, and I keep getting this question over and over and over again, which is... I hear what you're saying, I don't know how I can get that to, I don't know how to make myself do that, right? And I, and I know that Steph and I, you, you and I both kind of struggled with that for a long time and so it's actually taking what you know but then actually believing it and putting it into practice so that you can be healthy because otherwise if, you're, if we're just, if you're hearing all the things and you're hearing all the things but not implementing it, you know, what good is it doing? So yeah, mindset, negative body image, all the things.
1: Yeah. Another thing I think makes this question interesting is being in college. We don't often talk to people who are so young and working on this kind of thing. And I think that that's really great. And you have, I don't know when you're, you're hoping to uh, maybe conceive, but you you do have some time, which is great. And I think it's wonderful that you're discovering this about you early. Uh, I will start by saying, what I normally start by saying, and I think what Noel might normally start by saying. So I, I'm curious how many times I've said this sentence in the last 208 episodes. Probably the first thing I would recommend doing is finding new media to consume. <laughs> we we giggle just because I, we, I, we say that so often. Uh, but it really is true. I think it's this is similar to the discussions we have about willpower. You know, everybody's always wondering, how do I... How do I power through this? How do I, whatever. The first step is creating an environment that makes it easy for you to do it or as easy as possible, right? And there are so many websites online, so many communities of people who are who are working on this sort of thing, like the healthy at every size. It often goes by H-A-E-S. The healthy at every size movement. Some people have some disagreements or there are different factions in it in terms of how you should be eating, but there is a lot of, body positivity out there and on you know if you keep your instagram account delete all the ones that are about fitspo and add ones from hashtags such as body positivity right so i would definitely do that and include in that the kinds of people you spend time with and this is i think particular a little bit difficult perhaps in college because this kind of mindset is so pervasive there there's some crazy statistics about Something like 90% of women, girls, whatever, on college campuses are struggling with their body image and food behaviors. 85% I think, 90 maybe. I'm just guessing 90 because it's been a few years since I've read that study and it's probably gone up. Maybe it's gone down body positivity is on the rise. But it's challenging and you're in a environment that's so focused on the way that you look and finding dates and getting dressed up and going out to parties and all that sort of stuff. Uh, and so it's important to bear in mind that this is a very unique environment that you're in. And once you hit adult world with jobs, <laughs> once, once you once you hit the life outside that, I think a lot of the intensity fades. It's still there, but it, it you have more freedom to build your own environment. And to, and to get away from, from those kinds of pressures and, and that kind of thinking and, and the way that people feel. And being around women who are constantly thinking and talking about that, you know, you can, it can be easier to find women. And I think this is really important, who focus on their families and their careers and having a meaningful life and their arts and all of these sorts of things that I think are, are the core of what make us beautiful as humans however we may construe it so that's a that's a very long-winded way to say uh, change your environment design it for the better make it easier for you and then also you know there are some important things to think about like these changes that you might see in your body are so much bigger to you than they will be to anybody else especially coming from a history of having an eating disorder like some people know their bodies to the centimeter you know um, and I, and as I have, and continue to do, kind of, but not really, because over time, I just it just sort of it fades away. And so, don't look in the mirror so much. These are some practical steps. Don't look in the mirror. I used to write blog posts all the time about getting rid of your mirror because there's there's no point. And I would take photos of myself. I did this for my blog. I would take photos of myself, and then like show you what like comparisons between what my body looked like at certain points in time and how much at that point in time I felt as though I had become so overweight or had gained like a big body fat percentage or however you want to say it but I hadn't and from an outsider it was a very minor change and still I you know I looked chill and cool you know so that's that's very important uh, to bear to bear in mind. And so, I don't know, I normally speak very abstractly about this sort of thing, so I'm trying to make it a little bit more concrete in terms of what you can do. Uh, going to the gym less even, just maybe shifting your workouts, doing some stuff at home. I know you work out a lot, but an intermediate step could be getting away from the gym because the gym is a place that can feel very competitive and comparative, you know, in terms of what you're doing and how you're dressed and how your butt looks that day because that's like, that's a very big thing important thing at the gym now so just even getting out of that environment and getting into your home for some more time i think could just be really helpful to slowly help you make this shift like real it, it might take some time but i think when when you do it that way you also make it sustainable and long term and i would recommend also being in college think about going abroad you know uh having some adventures Really doing things that get your mind off of the race to be at the top of the hierarchy or get attention from boys or girls, you know, because uh, college is, is a, lot about, a lot about that. But getting out of that world and, and building a life that is about the things that make you excited, whatever that means to you, I think that's really important.
0: Yeah, I think that what is at the root here and what is at the root for many people who know all these things to do but can't actually get them done necessarily is some sort of like emotional hang up. And you keep, a lot of people call it, you know, negative body image, negative body image. But what is that? And and I think when we really think about it, it is our own self-talk. It's our own words. It's the voice we hear in our head. It's how we are speaking to ourselves. And how we perceive ourselves and our body. And that has to come from somewhere, right? And so I would encourage you to explore that. So you're saying like, I would love to do all these things and this is great. But like, I can't like the negative body image thoughts overwhelm my daily life. And I know that you've had an eating disorder and you say you're completely recovered from that. And I think that's, that's wonderful. And I'm not a therapist. So I'm not going to pretend to be, but I will say that I think that some of the things that were at the root of that are still there and maybe haven't been completely processed um, or dealt with. And that narrative still exists um, at the root of it. And so While I love the fact that you are not physically, you know, whatever the eating disorder was, that's no longer has a physical manifestation in your life. I still think there's some mental and emotional strongholds. I don't know where the voice is coming from. Sometimes it's really hard to know where the voice comes from. When, you know, I was really struggling with body image. It was hard to know. It was hard to say where did these th- where do these thoughts come from? Who is telling me all of these things? And it's really a combination of so many different things and that's why we are so vigilant about recommending that you remove all of those things that are telling you from the media from diet culture um, it is a culture that exists in our world that is all about women need to be on a diet that is what we're, when we say diet culture that is that is essentially what we're saying the entirety of the health and fitness industry, which is targeted at women and telling them that they need to lose weight, be less, look a specific way, have no cellulite, get rid of their stretch marks. It's all about putting women into a very specific box. Um, You know, strong as the new skinny, which now just means very lean and muscular and thin at the same time. It's just, it's, you know, and, and it's great that we're moving in a different direction, but it's still there, right? And so it's really important to be intentional with what you are letting in. And who you're hanging out with in real life, but also who you're following on Instagram, who you're following um, in general, you know, what kind of movies and media are you engaging with? What kind of magazines are you looking at if people still do that? What kind of books are you reading? You know, all those things that all plays into these ma- the, how you feel about yourself and what you are perceiving about yourself and what you need to change and what is right and wrong and what is worthy and not worthy when it comes to a physical size. And so, you know, <laughs> I grew up in a culture that was all about praising people for losing weight and, oh, you're smaller. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, look at her. She lost 30 pounds. yay, yeah, yay! And so, you know, we get tied to this idea that it is better to be thin. It is better to lose weight. You become more worthy when you lose weight and you're smaller. And that at its core is I think what stops people from being able to do what is right for them and do make the healthy decision when it comes to gaining weight and I know that a lot of people don't need to gain weight to be healthy and that's fine, but a lot of women do because we have been subject to this idea that we need to be a specific weight, whether that number is one hundred and twenty pounds or one hundred and ten pounds or one hundred and thirty pounds or hundred fifty pounds whatever the number is in our head. You know, that that is we've spent years and years and years of our life believing that we need to be that size, whether it's healthy for us or not. And so many women, a lot of women in this community have spent a lot of time sacrificing their health to get to that. And it's so hard to flip the script and change that narrative. And so I would, one, of course, do all the things that we always recommend, but two, explore Where are these things, where are these voices coming from? Was it something that you can work on and process through with the help of of a therapist or a friend or family member? And, you know, kind of shake that out. Um, I'm sure your eating disorder had something to do and was wrapped up with that as well. Is it something that's coming from external media? uh, friends in your life. Um, Steph mentioned this, but it is college is a cesspool of (laughs) diet culture. It, it is, it is like, you know, all this whole bubble, like turn with the heat turned up, like it is all about what you're wearing, what you look like, how much you're working out, how much you're running. And how little you're eating, and that is college. Um, and so, you know, it's it's hard. It is it is a hard circumstance to make changes in that environment. And so, you have to recognize that and be, and arm yourself with a new conversation around bodies. Excuse me, around bodies, around your body, around what it means to be healthy, around what it means to be worthy. You know, what, what, what brings you joy and happiness? And if that's your health and it's not dieting and fitness, you know, then like own that, you know? And so I think that that is, that is kind of how you have to move through it is find a new way of find, find things that you can use to combat some of those things that are in your head or speaking to you being spoken to you um, and when you hear them or see them or see friends engage with certain sort of behaviors you can say huh I know why that's happening but guess what like you're not more worthy if you try to eat a thousand calories a day or you're trying to run 10 miles a day and I know that for me and my health I need to do the opposite of that and so I think that you just have to be able to arm yourself with um positive affirmations and words and things that you know to be true when those things come at you and when you feel like you this this negative self-talk and negative body image is overtaking you and isn't allowing you to do all the changes that you want to make to comment just a little bit like I do think that there are still some um, of course we've talked about missed periods and hypothalamic amenorrhea many many times but I would encourage you to just go back and listen to a lot of those recommendations, specifically when we're talking about exercise and food, because it is very, it's going to be very hard to find balance again with this high running mileage and with this, I eat a very clean diet, I eat a very clean diet. Um, There's still some tendencies there to want to control your body even though you're not doing it in the way that you used to which is great with an with an eating disorder but you you're still very much so in this like hyper control I like, eat very clean i'm i'm upping my running mileage those to me are are just little signs and not to say that it's bad to eat clean or it's bad to run right this this is not an objective or this is not like a, a long-withstanding like declaration about eating clean or running it is just saying that that to me says that there are still some things there somehow your mindset is actually still controlling a lot of how you are eating and moving. Um, and there could be a lot of change here, uh, just with decreasing, just like focus on that, you know, decreasing your exercise and including more f- nutrient dense foods, um, and a little bit more fat and all that kind of stuff and get a little bit less focused on weight, wait, wait, um, and just think, what can I do that's going to make me really healthy today? So, okay. Question number two is from Caitlin Heinwell and Stephanie. I would love some insight about intuitive eating and weight loss through the childbearing years. I'm currently 30 years old and 32 weeks with my third and final baby. I've always struggled with body images. my mother, grandmother, and sister have always been obsess- obsessive about diet and exercise. Calories in, calories out mostly, and not at all concerned about the quality of those calories. And the idea that you must be thin to have value... Most of my life, I've carried around an extra 20 to 30 pounds, but the year before I got pregnant with my first child, I lost about 30 pounds by going vegan and majorly restricting food. Surprisingly, somehow became pregnant, even though I was probably eating only 500 calories per day and struggled with disordered eating her entire pregnancy. After she was born, I struggled majorly with breastfeeding and trying to lose the baby weight. I went back to eating very low calorie because that was what worked the first time around for my weight loss. My milk supply tanked, and I quickly stopped nursing because I just didn't know any better at the time. Between my first and second child, I managed to lose all the baby weight through restriction and very consistent hit and power yoga. During my second pregnancy, I ate less nutritionally, but definitely more calories. Had some blood pressure complications, which I believe were diet-related wanted to succeed at breastfeeding the second time around and I committed to no calorie restriction and I nursed my son easily for a year but also gained 40 pounds. I tried to healthfully lose the weight, paleo, and exercise around three months postpartum but the weight wouldn't budge after six months postpartum so I gave up and started this third pregnancy at my heaviest, 45 pounds overweight. Throughout this pregnancy, I've been very conscious to eat according to what makes me feel best, paleo, in order to have a healthy pregnancy but now at this pregnancy, is coming to a close, Um, She says she's 60 pounds over her ideal healthy weight. Um, I'm starting to think about how I want to approach the postpartum period. I definitely don't want to hang on to the extra 45 pounds I started this pregnancy with, but I'm not sure how to approach breastfeeding and the postpartum period without taking my milk supply again and obsessing about my food intake. I want to feel good at and and that includes getting rid of at least some of the extra weight. I am just having a hard time shaking this calories in and out mentality because restriction has been the only thing that has worked for me in the past. I'm not concerned about hanging on to extra 10 or 15 pounds, but the 45 makes me feel awful. I would love some insight. Love your show and approach to healthy living as women. And it's truly changed my life.
1: I will pass this to Noelle probably pretty quickly because as with many of the baby questions, I think she probably just has a lot more, a lot of times, a lot of times I'll say something and then Noelle will talk and I'll be like, that was such a better answer, obviously, because she knows so much more about, has so much more experience in this world. Um, I do want to say that it, I, I will not be able to give you an answer that is really exciting in the sense that it provides exactly what you're asking for, which I think is in part a way to lose weight that's not, restricting your food intake right so there are a, we do a lot of I do a lot of talking about weight loss I have a program about weight loss and I adore it for the way that I try to the way that I mix what I believe is a healthy physical way to lose weight with a healthy you know positive mental attitude all that sort of stuff where you're weight loss efforts are folded into under the umbrella of your health. And I think that that's really, really important. And so I talk about, and I do spend a lot of time thinking about the types of foods and eating patterns that can optimize these sorts of journeys for people, right? And these might include things, generally speaking, like having, you know, having your carbs late at night or figuring out if it's good for you to do some light intermittent fasting or a lower carb approach or a higher carb approach with some snacks, all this sort of stuff and making sure your B vitamins and choline and vitamin D levels are up to snuff, all this sort of stuff. And I know I just rhyme snuff and stuff, hopefully for the last time in my life, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I can't, I don't think that there's a way to give that to you now, you know, for those of us for whom restriction is effective at losing weight, and for very many, it is, right? It is true that calorie deficits are a significant portion of weight loss efforts, being being in a body that is, again, well nourished is important, but calorie deficits do matter. And so I don't think the thing to do is to restrict at this point in time. I really think that you can put this off. (laughs) There's a lot here that can be done, you know, um, in terms of uh, paying attention to what we talked about in the last question. You know, these underlying fears and anxieties we all have or many of us subconsciously have about gaining weight and thinking that we need to lose some weight in order to be happy and being very conditioned also to needing to lose weight in order to be happy. And I, I know that that's a massive web of things that you think about and feel and untangling it could take a long time. And so I think the very, a very uh, quick solution would be to, tell yourself you'll think about it later. You know, you'll work, you'll start untangling the web now, uh, but continue to think about it and navigate, learn to navigate this space between your body fat percentage and the way that you're eating and living and stuff, you know, learning to navigate this in a new way. Uh, But for the time being, you could perhaps tell yourself that you really want to let this, Breastfeeding, right? Let this be your priority. It's an important thing. It sounds to you, it can be a really important thing to many people, and it will not be forever. And you could look at it as something that's, you know, obviously it's complicated, but a a joy is something that you obviously want in your life, and uh, you will perhaps be able to look back on this and be really glad that this was a moment that you started to really. Not let body fatness control you or, or take things that are important to you away from you, uh, and so that's really the the direction that I would, of course, ideally move in. And um, again, I'm not I'm not going to be able to give you I'm not going to be able to give you an answer that that will tell you you can have your cake and eat it too. Uh, and calories in, calories out is is complicated. But perhaps the best thing we can do is is try to not think about it, you know, try to not be obsessive about controlling this. And I'm going to let, I'm going to let Noel go now.
0: <laughs> Thank you, Stephanie. Um, I just, <laughs> <laughs>
1: so, so I'm going to stop with my bad advice. Go well,
0: on. I think the thing that's like glaring, glaring, glaring at me is the depth, what the perception is here of what it actually means. like what is a weight over a healthy weight so in in other words, what is this quote unquote overweight you know forty pounds over the weight over the weight? so what's this this magic weight, and what is this the idea behind the fact that that you know, and this is for many women, so I'm not just picking on you, but this is this is um. I'm not just picking on you, Caitlin, but I think that this is something that is such a pervasive concept for everybody. It's like we, and I just mentioned like, you know, we all have this number in our head and that's where we're supposed to be. And so anything above that is quote unquote overweight or excess weight or four. And so you have very specific numbers, Caitlin, about, and I know you're, tr- you're rolling your eyes because you're like, I know where this is going and this is not it, but it is it. So I want you to be open to this. Um, you know, you have a very specific number that you think you need to be to be healthy. We you, you've mentioned that this is the healthy weight. This is the weight you were before you had your kids, and yeah, you you just have like what you said, three babies in in a very short amount of time. And I I hate to be the the you know one to like I don't like to be this you know like drop the bomb and say it, but like I who you were before you had your three kids, like. You don't need to go back there and you don't need to be at that weight that you were before you had these three kids. You just don't. And so there's no such thing as, oh, this is my healthy weight and um, everything else over that is, quote unquote, overweight or excess weight. And we give it these names and it's like, it might actually be pretty darn necessary. Or it might actually be that you can be really healthy at a variety of weights. You don't have to, like... We, you, you have to, ch- we have to change our concept of this idea that there's this one weight that's healthy and that we are calculating, like I have, I can see as you're, a- you know, asking this question, you've gone through your entire life thinking about this one number that you were at a very specific point in your life. And so that is the ideal to you and you compare yourself No matter how complicated what it was that you went through, you know, not, you know, uh, you had three kids, by the way, Um, but regardless of that, you are still weighing who you are and what you weigh now, your weight, and you're comparing that to this specific person that you were, which You don't have to go back to that. You don't need to be that number to be healthy. You can be a variety of weights and you're not more... That person, that weight wasn't more worthy, right? That person hadn't given birth to three kids and hadn't gone through this amazing life change and wasn't trying to balance a lot of stuff. Toddlers, babies, sleep schedules, all the things, right? And so I think that first and foremost, you've got to drop that idea this calculation that is constantly in your head, which is now I'm 60 pounds over my ideal healthy weight, including 15 pounds of this pregnancy weight. And I'd like to, I don't want to hang on to the 45 pounds I started with this pregnancy. It's like you are constantly comparing everything in your life to this, this, this number. So drop it, drop the number. Like don't, like let's not even focus on trying to get somewhere or trying to get back to something. Um, and two, which I will throw out there is the idea that at three months postpartum, we should be focusing on weight loss and getting back to our pre pregnancy weight is crazy. You were pregnant for nine almost ten months. Why is it that it's we our culture is like three months mu- oh well six months you haven't you haven't lost the weight yet like i mean it's it's crazy to me, and yes, your body will naturally lose some of the weight because a lot of it is in the placenta and the baby and water weight and all the things. but your goal is like survival um for the first year that's a really great goal to have uh, survival and and just getting back into a normal sleep routine nourishing yourself with lots of food and making sure that you are in a place where you can nourish and breastfeed your baby that's a great goal so i would i would wipe out anything else and just move forward with that and uh, as you are going through these experiences I think that it would be worth it to team up with somebody who can actually get some blood work done for you because if you are, this is going to be a great way for you to know, do I have any health concerns? Is this weight a symptom of a negative health condition? Because that's where, that's that's what I want to know. That's where I think weight gain, it can be really an interesting thing for us to consider. Is it, is it a symptom of a disease, a disease state? So do you have a, th- which is thyroid issues are very common. So do you have a thyroid issue? Is there something going on there? Is there some sort of metabolic issue that you have going on? Are your metabolic numbers okay? Are you, do you have more inflammation? You know, is your C-reactive protein a little high? So I think that it like, you know, somewhere between three to six months, I think six months would be a great time postpartum to so take some of some numbers get some blood works done and get you know a hormone panel so we can look and see what your hormones are doing we can you know get a thyroid panel get some some numbers about your nutrient status and then also inflammatory metabolic panel. Um that's going to give you a really really great insight into what's actually going on with your body so that we can get off of this this never-ending hamster wheel of trying to get back to a state that we don't really I mean why does that even matter? It doesn't. Right? And so you've been through so many things in your life and it just just disregard it. And let's make sure let's pursue making your body really healthy and Helping you in that postpartum period be really nourished and healthy because I will say, you know If you weren't sleeping at all that could be a really great reason that you didn't lose any weight postpartum And that's pretty darn normal for a lot of people I mean, I don't even think I got back to within five to ten pounds of my quote-unquote pre-pregnancy weight Um, I was probably 13 or 14 months postpartum and then I got pregnant again So, you know that (laughs) like okay, here we go a new a new thing and, and that's fine and So I just, I think it's crazy to me that we like at three months postpartum, this is what we're telling women they need to be thinking about. I know I've said this before, but if you had to do major, major restriction and you're eating, you're basically starving yourself, you're eating 500 calories a day and doing very consistent HIIT and power yoga to get back to your healthy weight, that is not a healthy weight for your body. I I'll I just white. I hate to break it to you, and I again I hate to be this like person who just like throw these bombs that seem sort of like mean, but like I just I'm a truth talker. So if if you have to if you have to severely restrict and starve yourself. And then, at the same time, over exercise or work out very intensely, to get back to some certain weight or get down to a certain weight. That weight is not right for your body. I can confidently say that that is not a healthy weight. That is not the right weight where your body um, exists in a healthy state, and that's not that's not healthy for you. The fact that you had to do this to get back down to this magic number really is a sign to me that this magic number is not a healthy place to be.
1: That's really that's really important and I, I missed that that specific number 500 calories a day is absurd.
0: Really absurd. Yeah. This podcast is brought to you by Thrive Market, an online marketplace on a mission to make healthy living easy and affordable for everyone thrive market is like whole foods amazon prime and costco combined you can shop for thousands of health foods and natural products including non-gmo foods snacks vitamins supplements eco friendly cleaning supplies baby and kids items and so much more at 10 to 50 percent below retail prices they can offer these prices because they cut out the middleman and ship products directly to you they also have their own Thrive Market brand, which offers everything from organic virgin coconut oil to grass-fed collagen peptides, all the way to eco-friendly, chlorine-free, disposable diapers, which my daughter wears, by the way, at incredibly affordable prices. To get 25% off your first purchase, head over to thrivemarket.com slash wellfedwomen. That's 25% off on top of the discounts you already get on Thrive Market. Head over to thrivemarket.com slash well-fed women. Question number three is from Lee Ann. Hi, ladies, love the podcast. Listen to every episode, each new one on Tuesday mornings. My husband and I have a significant age gap. I am twenty-six; he is forty. I want to start a family in the next four years once we have our house and I've established my business enough for it to be strong enough to sustain a pregnancy and early baby years. My husband is very concerned about being an older father, not so much from a fertility standpoint, but of course, just the fact of raising children at a higher age. Wondering if you can give some tips on conceiving in early 30s. Any stats you know of for late life parenthood that could put our minds at ease? I have searched the internet but can't find other than average first time parent ages. Thanks so much.
1: Actually, I read an interesting thing recently. (laughs) Interesting thing, article, whatever. Fact, Stumbled upon a fact in an article. People talk about how much the risks of pregnancy. And I know that this isn't necessarily a question about pregnancy. People talk a lot about how the risks of pregnancy increase past 35 and 38. And, you know, and, and that's real, uh, certain certain risks to your baby and the like. But the risks still are quite low. So if there's a 0.5% risk of any sort of disability or hindrance or mutation happening for your child, and it let's say it increases by 100%. That's a that's a very significant percent and that can scare you a lot. But it means that it goes from 0.5% to 1% or 0.25% to 0.5%, right? And so it's important to bear in mind that chances for a lot of these kinds of problems remain low. And like you said, you know, the the more you take care of yourself, and then the less the less likely uh, any kind of complications uh, will arise, and of course sometimes they do, and 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 that's okay, and you deal with them. Um, in terms of stats, we know for late life parenthood. Now, what do you what do you think she means by parenthood outside of like pregnancy? Like, I think she in terms of fiscal
0: health. No, no, no. She's talking about Family pregnancy. Health? She's talking about pregnancy. Okay, like conception and pregnancy. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Um, great. Do you know more specifics than I do? <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah.
0: Go yeah. on. I think this is an important topic because so many women are ha- are like pushing the baby thing back, and that's like a very normal thing for our c- our culture, and it's a combination of of societal norms, but also fertility treatments and all the things. And um, I think that that's that's great. We need to be intentional about, you know, culture changes. And right now we have a lot of women who are breadwinners or really enjoy their careers or have, um, you know, goals for themselves but, and, and want to do that before they jump into having kids. And I, that was me. And, you know, that's a lot of people. And I think that that's a, that's a wonderful thing. Not to say that you can't have a career and also have kids and balance the two intentionally, but it is nice to be ready Right. And um and I don't think it's a decision that you want to jump into before you are ready to. And I don't want people to do it out of fear. And I think that sometimes people do that being said, there, you know, there are some things to consider and be aware of. And I think that that's important as well, because that has to be taken into consideration when we're thinking about pushing things off like this, because when we do push things off, you know, I think there's this assumption that that a lot of people have, which is you you start trying to get pregnant and then it happens like that, and for women, we're really only fertile like uh, 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 one day out of the month. And yes, sperm can live inside of you for longer, and so that window opens up. But it takes some pretty good choreographing for it to all happen, and you you have to um, be very intentional. And for a lot of people, it doesn't happen right away. And so I would, you know, preface this with: give yourself six months to a year cushion. For you to figure out, you know, are we the type of people that get pregnant right away? Or is it going to take some time? Or are there some other things that we're going to learn about our health? Or will there be a few complications in there? And that is going to set us back. Not to say that I want that for anybody or I'm speaking that into your life. But, you know, that's what happened for me. We started trying, got, had a miscarriage, took another year to get pregnant. And so that set us back a little bit. And, you know, it's I think it's something that is, is a common occurrence you know it's it and I think a lot of women like we just don't learn this stuff it's if you're not seeking out women's health information you just don't you just don't know a lot you know about reproduction and um, other than what you, you know the pictures you saw in in high school and so it doesn't always happen right away and for some people it takes a longer amount of time and so I think that that needs to be factored in as well when you're considering when to start Now coming back off of that tangent, um, there is no cliff that happens when you turn 35. I think that a lot of people have that in their head, um, that all of a sudden at 35. And this is because like, when you go, and I know a lot of you go to midwives or OBs or whatever just for general health checkups and all that kind of stuff. And there's something that you might have heard of or seen called advanced maternal age, which is, you know, that, that special age where we're too old to have kids or whatever. We have higher risks because we're, we're old. And, um, you know, it's different for every practice and group. For some people, it's 37. For some people, it's age 40. For some people, it's age 35. And that practice will take special considerations during your pregnancy and maybe do additional ultrasounds or whatever because of your age. So that's what it means but there's no scientific definition for that age. Let's get that let's get that straight. Um and I know that you were asking more about like early 30s stuff, but I'm going to just speak in general about the advanced maternal age. So, um there's a really 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 great website which I love which I've mentioned many times called evidence-based birth. Evidence ba- evidence-based birth has all of the studies that relate to anything in the pregnancy land and it is pretty; it's good quality evidence, um, and so it's not just a l- bunch of random things. So, when your doctor says something to you, you know, it, you can you can go and evaluate that information based on some of the research and data that you can find on evidence based Burst. So, I'll link to this um, article um about advanced maternal age. But one of the things that they mentioned and one of the things that I've seen mentioned again again is women given giving birth between the ages of thirty and thirty-four. It's actually the fastest growing age range and is just under the the twenty five to twenty nine age group as the most popular age category for pregnancy rates. So most women, um I think the average age now is twenty six for first for first babies, which is actually a record high, but most women are either between the ages of 25 and 34 are, are giving birth. Um, and 30 to 34 is just as popular as the 25 to 29 age range. And then 50, 15% of women are giving birth over the age of 35, which is up from 8% in 1990. So when like you hit the 35-ish, 35 to 40-ish um, age range, your infertility rates do increase slightly. And Steph made a really great point, which is... Significance doesn't mean like, oh, your risk doubles. It might mean that you just go from a 1% to a 2% chance, right? So it's not as scary and terrifying as, as it sometimes would sound when special journalists like to cover stuff like that and make it, you know, make really great headlines. But it's it's not a cliff. So studies show that 82% of couples will conceive within a year of trying. And then that rises to 90% after two years when the woman is in the 35 to 39 age range. So 82%, that's kind of a big number. And then 90% will conceive. And that's mostly because after 12 months, you're technically referred out to a fertility specialist. And, and you try additional treatments. Um, another risk is risk of miscarriage does go up with age. The rates after a confirmed ultrasound, it's usually rate of miscarriage, expected rate of miscarriage, under 15% if you're age 35 and under. Um, that jumps up to 29% at age 40. So I do think that it's a significant increase at miscarriage of miscarriage rates at, at for, age 40. But again, it's still only 30%. Um, 60% at age 44 and higher after age 44, um, 44 and up. So there, I don't have any evidence that like other risk factors were controlled, like smoking and BMI and all the things. So again, being a healthy individual is really, really important here too. And and taking proper precautions. And I'll mention some of those things here in two seconds. But I just want to mention too, you do have a slight increased risk uh, risk of experiencing complications like high blood pressure and gestational um, diabetes as you age. And then one of the most common concerns, which is not enjoyable, and if um you've had major complications or lost a kid, I will say that this is, you know, a trigger warning. But one of the most common concerns is the risk of stillbirth. So that does increase slightly. I think it goes from, let me look this up so I don't get it wrong, 0.4% in women from 18 to 24 to 0.6% um, from age 35 to 40. And then, you know, it goes like for 40 and above it does go somewhere around 1% of of pregnancies will end in in a stillbirth. So, they don't necessarily know like a lot of the research they they actually did control for other factors so that um healthy women were looked at um only looked at and there's no real major explanation for why this happens this this increased risk happens as you age. Um and then there is a slight risk um, an increase in having a child with certain chromosomal abnormalities. But again, these are all very slight shifts. So for example, stillbirth 0.4% in women 18 to 24 to 1% in 40 plus, the 40 plus age group. And that is again with healthy women. So I will mention too, male fertility do, does like they have some evidence that it declined slightly. So that's just something to be aware of. What to do to make sure that you can have babies, healthy babies in your 30s, because I didn't have Stella until I was 31. Um, So take a high-quality prenatal that has folate, not folic acid, please, folate. I would start in the 6 to 12 months before you plan to conceive. I would highly recommend supplementing with vitamin D. I would stick with about 2,000 IUs and make sure that you have one that also has K2 in it so that you're getting it absorbed Eat lots of nutrient-dense foods, uh, foods that are high in good quality fats and fat-soluble vitamins, and really make sure that you're eating, you know, really good quality meats. I think grass-fed beef is is a glorious thing, and it has a lot of great B vitamins in it and just so many things that you do need for pregnancy, protein, and, and healthy fats. Be cautious of inflammatory foods like processed grains and sugars. Get our book, Coconuts and Kettlebells, which we talk about these things Um, And then I really, I would focus on long chain omega-3 fats. So those are the types of fats that are actually absorbed and used in your body. Unlike omega-3s from plants, which I think the conversion ends up being like three to 5% of ALA ends up actually being converted into a version that can be used by your body. So just eat the nice long chain omega-3 fatty acids with salmon. That's about it. I mean, we do talk a lot about all the healthy things here. And, and you know, sleep is really, really important. Um, reducing stress, working through mental and emotional issues is really important. Make sure that there's not some deep-seated em- emotional thing that you need to work through. Because it will come out in pregnancy. Pregnancy is just a, pl- is a heightened state of awareness um, and a heightened state of anxiety. And so I would make sure that you have some, you know, your mentally and emotionally stable and uh yeah eat really well and um eat lots of foods nutrient dense foods and then you know parent like don't jump into it like parenting is the hardest job ever it's also you know it's not for the faint of heart but it's also the the most rewarding thing you will you will ever do and i think it's really important to be in a good healthy space yourself Emotionally, mentally, all those things, when you enter into that world, because now you are responsible for other humans who have their own range of emotions and, you know, thoughts and, and way of existing and behaving. And it's a huge honor to be able to guide other small humans and to like have their unconditional love. But it's also something that you can do so much better when you're ready and you're from a grounded place. Um... You know, mentally, emotionally, all the things. So, I mean, I love who I am now. And I I wouldn't have been the same parent if had I started, you know, five, seven years ago. So. Okay. Okay. Anything else? Steffi? I think that was pretty thorough. Okay. So I'm going
1: to. Great. Not found. Yeah. Okay.
0: Okay. (laughs) For more from me, go to coconutsandkettlebells.com. Make sure to buy our book, Coconuts and Kettlebells. We'll link to it in the show notes. For more from Stephanie, go to paleoforwomen.com. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at wellfedwomen. If you have questions, general questions, Send them to wellfedwomen at gmail.com and don't forget to go to Fabletics, fabletics fabletics.com slash wellfedwomen, two leggings, $24. Get on it and get through February. We will talk to you next week.